a Podcast One production. Hi, I'm Rosie Waterland. This is Mum Says My Memoir Is A Lie. All right, Mum, this is the chapter you've been dreading oh, the whole time. I think I have too. The, the, it was the lesbian one and the Tinder one. Yeah. That's what I was dreading. So, and then that's it. Like then there's just two well, other ones. Just, uh, just this picture of the on the mat on the mattress and the. <laughs> oh! oh, this guy was such a creep. Okay, having a doodle flap it around in your <laughs> face. Oh, and I'm gonna sit here and listen to it. Can't believe you call it a doodle. It is a doodle. <laughs> a doodle. Oh. All right. Yes. <laughs> you look so terrified. <laughs> you look. You're bracing yourself. All right. I am. Come on, Mum. We'll just we'll just get through it. We'll just get through it. Someone will play Jenga with your face and their penis, <laughs> and you will consider it a sexual revolution. I once scared a penis back inside itself. I was trying so freaking hard to impress a guy with my brilliant sexual prowess that it had the opposite effect. One second his peen was there, and as soon as I tried to be sexy, it was gone. Not unlike when a turtle sees a predator and shoves its head back in the shell for safety. I actually made a dick feel like it needed safety. I was trying one of those Cosmo sex tips, and let me just put this out there right now. Those tips do not fucking work. But of course, I was young, and because I was getting my sex advice from women's magazines, I was yet to realise that sex had anything to do with my pleasure. For a really long time, as far as I was concerned, if the guy blew his load and made some kind of audible sound that indicated pleasure, then I had done my job and the sex was over. I could secretly get myself off later in the bathroom. The sex part was all about him." It was that sad and ridiculous attitude that got me caught up in many unfortunate situations, all while trying desperately to please a man. The first of which was the pretty pink penis bow, which scared the penis back inside itself. Oh, God. Okay, here we go. I was young, I think about a year out of high school. I was still with Josh, my lovely first boyfriend, and since we had been each other's first, we'd done the thing all young people do when they realise their private parts connect. We tried to make our private parts connect in all the crazy ways we could think of. But, as is the way with all relationships, the initial passion, which results in you having sex anywhere there happens to be a horizontal surface, eventually wears off. And that's when Josh and I found ourselves in a bit of a boring sexual routine. So I did what any young, misguided woman was supposed to do when a sex problem was getting her down. I consulted a women's mag. I was immediately informed that I was in what's called a sexual rut. I was also told that this was possibly the worst thing that could happen to any young lady who would like to hold on to her man. Shit, I thought. I'm a young lady and I'd like to hold on to my man. I actually hadn't realised my man was trying to get away from me until the magazine told me so, but I suddenly became very desperate to make sure I kept him in my clutches. I should point out here that I know now this is all ridiculous, but back then I had no clue what was what. It was my first proper relationship. I had no idea that the initial passion grows into something deeper and blah, blah, love, blah, blah, blah. All I knew was that the sex had gone from 15 times a week to five and this magazine was telling me that it was my fault. But, thank the Cosmo heavens, they also had a solution. I can't remember exactly what the article was called, but I'm sure it included the words hot and sizzling and lots of exclamation marks, and probably the word blow in capital letters. 
there was a bunch of very complicated tips I could use to keep my man. I picked the one I thought would be the cheapest, I was a student, and the simplest because I was terrified. Basically, I was instructed to find a bow, like the one you put on top of a gift box. Then I was meant to tell my man I had a present for him. My job was to get him excited by sending him texts all day reminding him of the aforementioned present. Then, when he was sufficiently excited, I had to tell him that it was time for his present, but first he had to lay down on the bed and close his eyes... Then I was supposed to give him an erection, no explanation provided, just get him there. Once he was sufficiently aroused, I was to take the bow and put it on his penis. At that moment, he was finally allowed to open his eyes and he would immediately look down to see his penis gussied up like a present. I literally cannot believe this. I read this in Cosmo. Did you actually read yes. it? Yes. Who writes gonna, this shit? I was going to ask you that. Of course oh I read God, it. I don't make joking. this stuff up. That's when I was supposed to say something <laughs> along the lines of, surprise, your present is a sizzling hot head job that will blow your mind. I can't quite believe the level of naivete that convinced me this would be sexy, but I went for it. I was just doing what I was told. The magazine told me to do it, Mom. I don't remember reading this bit. I texted Josh all morning about the amazing present did I had you really for him. Do that? Yes, you actually did it. The magazine told me to do it. <laughs> I was eighteen. All right. I texted Josh all morning about the amazing present I had for him, but by the afternoon I had lost interest in the game, so the text trailed off and I forgot about the whole thing. So when he got to my house and demanded his amazing gift, I was a little thrown. Oh, yeah, I thought, that thing I was going to do. I told him to close his eyes. Oh, he said, clearly excited now. Is this a sexy present? Yes, I said, rummaging through my craft box, <laughs> looking for a bow. Oh, my God. I hadn't planned this very well. Not only did I not have a bow handy, I was also wearing flannelette pajamas. And I was tired and in no mood for giving a head job. Actually, I was never in the mood to give a head job, really. Still not. Can we all just take a moment to acknowledge that giving head is the fucking worst? I understand, as unjust as it is, that most ladies, and I suspect a lot of guys, feel like they can't admit to having unpleasant feelings about sausage-shaped chunks of rigid flesh being shoved repeatedly into their mouths. There seems to be a general feeling that one must pretend to enjoy performing oral sex or risk a life of loneliness, listening to Taylor Swift while getting into Twitter fights with people about Jennifer Aniston's romantic future. I get it. There's pressure to conform. But this is a safe place. And I think we all just need to admit that eating penis isn't enjoyable. It's not. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I totally accept that giving lady head would be just as unpleasant an experience. I can't imagine that having to swim through my pube garden would be easy by any means. But it's all about doing something nice for someone else and taking one for the team. So while I understand that enjoyment can come from doing something that your partner enjoys, that doesn't mean you have to actually enjoy the sweaty, bald, sperm-inducing act itself. Let's break it down, shall we? Oh, let's break down head jobs, mum. I'm so glad I'm doing this with you here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It usually begins with a makeout session that is rudely interrupted by the not-so-subtle pushing down of the head. 
That is the penis owner's code for, I would like an orgasm that requires no physical exertion on my part. Thanks in advance. Man, I did this in my stand-up show last year and it was by far the most popular thing I've, like, part of the true. whole show. People, people love the truth. People, people love it when this routine. talks about it. People love this bit. It's true. If you accept your fate and agree to be a selfless blowjob hero... You then have to pull off the dude's undies and untangle his sweaty bald from his hairy balls, one of which always needs to be peeled off the inside of his leg. Sorry, you guys. <laughs> we just got our two male producers here getting some truth bombs. One of which always needs to be peeled off the inside of his leg and unfurl them like one of those wrinkly puppies stretching out in the sun. All the sweat that has been collecting in between his pubes from hours locked inside his penis oven now glistens on your hands, which you try to politely wipe on the bed slash carpet slash your own pants without him seeing, because romance magic slash don't ever dare ruin the moment. After some obligatory kissing of the general area, you eventually realise that you've put off the inevitable long enough. You must take the actual penis into your mouth. <laughs> gross. You can only cup sweaty balls and kiffs the safe zone between the belly button and the pubes for so long. You must get down to business. Also, let's just take a brief moment here to acknowledge that even the concept of putting something in your mouth that was probably shooting out urine just minutes ago is straight up gross. It is disgusting. It's important you try to get comfortable now as there will be some sustained physical effort on your part. The key word being try to get comfortable, as comfort for a person giving a head job is generally regarded as an urban myth. <laughs> You'll either get a dead leg from being on your knees or an aching arm from lying on your side and trying to hold up the top half of your body with one elbow. Highest possible comfort level that is not very attained you must then ease into proceedings as just shoving the whole thing into your mouth and letting it sit there like a docked boat until it explodes <laughs> is unfortunately considered poor form. I'm glad you're liking this, Mum. You must try to coat the whole shaft in your sexy, make sure it's sexy, saliva to ensure adequate lubrication for your hands, usually still covered in glistening ball sweat, which will show... <laughs> This is what women have to go through. It's disgusting. At least you got paid for it. You were smart. Yeah, I know. That was a smart move. I would. I. I will never do this again unless someone pays me a lot of money. I wouldn't do it unless I get paid. Unless I got paid for it. Yeah, it's smart. <laughs> Lubrication for your hands, usually still covered in glistening ball sweat, which will shoulder some of the workload while you avoid the inevitable for as long as possible, the attempted deep throat. It is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a penis must be in want of an individual to deep throat it. And no matter how many times he has tried and failed, he will grab the back of your head mid-blowjob and try to push it as far forward as he can. Men tend to forget the concept of head ownership during sexy times. They assume that if their penis is currently attached to someone's head, it indicates ownership of that head. It does not indicate ownership of that head. The person who owns the head knows how far the penis can go in, okay? It's at this point that you're usually expected to begin sexy moaning. This involves ignoring the fact you currently have a penis trying to poke the top of your left lung so that you may concentrate on making the relevant human sounds that indicate sexual pleasure. 
It is also, though not always, expected that you make sexy eye contact with very sexy eyes. It should also be noted here that looking sexy with your gaping mouth stretched around a penis is impossible. No amount of sexy eyes is going to fix that. (laughs) It's been said that a very rare and select group of women look attractive while crying. I suspect those are the only women who also look attractive with a dick in their mouths. Here's where things start to speed up. At this point, you are basically like one of those perpetual motion chicken toys that drinks the coloured water except on steroids. All pretense of hand involvement is forgotten. This part is all about you trying not to gag as your head moves back and forth at an exponential rate. You must resist the urge to switch whatever leg slash elbow slash hand slash toe you are leaning on or the rhythm will be interrupted and you may end up having to go even longer. The lips you have wrapped around your teeth to protect his precious manhood are starting to feel the pressure. All you can think about is how much easier this would be if you were fitter. You desperately need a glass of water. Then he finishes. Which, (laughs) I can't believe I wrote this. Which is just a nice way of saying that he explodes one billion little wriggly sperm into your mouth, which immediately begin gasping for air, racing towards an egg they'll never find. Grouped together, sperm have the consistency of warm snot and the taste of broken dreams. And it doesn't matter whether you spit or swallow, some of them will definitely end up wedged in sad little sperm graveyards between your teeth. (laughs) It's true! It's true! Oh, Rosie! And they say that sperm can live for, like, three days. Well, you better brush your teeth straight after. Yeah, I bet that doesn't get them all, though. So that's it. Not unbearable, but certainly not pleasant. I'm not saying that I never do it. (laughs) Yes, I never do it. I'm just saying that I hate it. And I know, I know I'm not the only one because giving head is the worst. Now, please excuse me while I go and watch any chance I had to find a man slowly fade away. Now, where were we? Ah, yes. Finding a bow to put on my boyfriend's dick so Cosmo wouldn't consider me a failure. Despite my reservations about blowjobs, by this point I had teased him enough that he was sufficiently into the whole thing and expectations were high. Not to mention, Cosmo was telling me that if I didn't do something drastic in the bedroom, our relationship would be over and I would not be married by the time I was 30, so I needed to improvise. I found a pastel pink piece of ribbon in my craft box. It seemed long enough that I could be able to do something sexy-ish with it. Okay, I said, trying out the sexiest voice I could muster. I just assumed elongating words made them sexy. It's time for your present. The poor guy was lying there with his eyes closed and his pants down, clearly expecting the most amazing sexual experience of his life. I approached his penis with the ribbon. The most logical way to do it seemed to tie the ribbon around the shaft like a shoelace. I tried that, but it just looked a bit shit, and the pastel pink colour wasn't helping. I spent the next couple of minutes trying to tie the ribbon a bunch of different ways, but no matter what I did, it just looked like it belonged around the neck of an itty-bitty puppy tied on a dainty bow. What's going on? My boyfriend asked, clearly confused. Shut up, I said in my sexiest voice. I'm being sexy. Eventually, the ribbon was as good as it was going to get. Okay, I said, open your eyes. He looked down at his penis. What the fuck is that? He asked. What? I said, it's sexy. I'm giving you a sexy blowjob present. 
but why is my penis covered in a pretty hair ribbon? He asked, perplexed. Um, because I wrapped it like a present, because it's sexy. We both looked down at his penis again. I appeared to have shocked it back into itself. So now the pastel pink ribbon was tied in a pretty bow around a soft-looking pile of skin. I felt like I should name it Petunia and take it to high tea. We did not have sex that night. And if the pretty pink penis bow was the beginning of my quest to impress men sexually, the Tinder date was the end. That was the night I realised it was time for a sexual revolution. I was 28, it had been 10 years since the failed Cosmo sex tip, and it was finally time for me to stop letting sex be all about the guy. The Tinder date was... Actually, I'm not entirely sure what it was. Let's just say I ended the night slightly confused, but with all my suspicions about this exciting Tinder thing confirmed. Like a kid who sees Santa without his beard leaving a shopping centre in his Toyota Corolla. To be totally upfront, this one and only Tinder date was actually the first date I'd ever been on. Yeah, I was 28 and it wasn't my first romantic entanglement by any means. I'd been in two long-term relationships and had a steady stream of hookups and messy one-nighters outside of those, but I'd never actually done the part that comes between those two extremes. The two boys I'd loved were my friends before anything else, and I'm pretty sure I tricked both of them into pairing up with me before they realised what was happening. Oh, I would say, when they asked about that bikini wax I'd said I'd got religiously when we were friends. I said, I said that, did I? Then I'd hike up my flannelette pyjama pants and spend the night farting in my sleep. So, relationships I had done, hookups I had done, but a date, an actual awkward, we both know what's going on but we're not going to say it date, never. Something about that has always felt off to me. Why admit that you like someone and that you're hoping they like you back? Why would you ever give anyone that kind of power? What kind of sick masochist would enjoy that? Not me. I was perfectly happy to continue on with my plan of being alone, waiting for the day a smart, funny man would read something brilliant I had written, fall instantly in love, and ironically wait outside the Mamma Mia offices with a boombox playing that song from that movie I'm not old enough to remember. But then came Tinder, and after a drunken, embarrassingly giggly cliché of a night with my girlfriends, I promised to sign up for 24 hours. And even though I had ample warning from the moment I started playing, I somehow didn't realise Tinder was essentially just an online pimp until about hour 23. In hour one, I was still finding my bearings. I quickly discovered that in Tinderland, anybody not asking you about the possibility of inserting a range of objects into your vagina instantly seems like a gentleman. That's how I ended up chatting to someone who inquired about my nipple and its current state of erection. At least he's keeping it above the waist is actually something that went through my brain. I should have known my standards had dropped dramatically when I started enjoying talking to Nipple Guy. It had only been 45 minutes and Tinder had already broken my brain. Nipple Guy messaged me several times the next morning and, encouragingly, all of it was civil and nipple talk free. He asked if I wanted to meet up that night and with my 24-hour time limit in mind, I said yes. At 28 years of age, I had successfully set up my very first date. Now, as hard as I've tried to be cool since the moment I shut my pants and pretended I hadn't so I could hang out with my big sister's friends, I'm not cool in even the most generous interpretation of the word. So while other people would have wondered if sex was on the table, that thought didn't even cross my mind. When he suggested I go to his house and have a few drinks and watch some TV, I thought, yes, amazing, someone else who hates going out on Saturday night. When he suggested I come at 9pm, I thought, yes, amazing, now I have time to drink wine in the shower before I leave. 
And that's how I found myself at 9pm on a Saturday night, having very average intercourse with a dude who had charmed me by being polite enough not to send me a dick pic. And yes, intercourse is the most appropriate word I can think of in this circumstance. Things started off fine. There was chatting and drinks. I knew immediately that it wasn't a love connection, but I was determined to commit to the whole experience. I'm a writer. I must live life, etc. I somehow turned the conversation to feminism, which he politely endured, considering he was probably confused as to why I wasn't rubbing my nipple on his ball sack yet. Then, and in hindsight, I understand that this is the point I probably should have realised he was really, really hoping for sex. He stood up, cracked a joke about pants-free Saturdays, and proceeded to take off his jeans. Then he sat back down on the couch and kept chatting like it was totally normal that he was now only wearing underpants. I didn't quite know how to respond. I'm not taking my pants off, I blurted out. That's fine, he said, before continuing on with his very valid point about sexism in the workplace. Somehow, I still didn't realise that he was hoping for sex. I didn't even pick up on it when he suggested watching a movie in his bedroom. I love watching movies in my bedroom, I thought. Me and this guy have so much in common. Dating's fun. So there we were, sitting on his bed, watching TV. I felt a little strange about his no-pants situation, but who was I to dictate how he dressed in his own home? I figured I must just be one of those people who is so adept at putting others at ease. He just felt like he could relax around me. Well done, Rosie, I thought. You are so fucking personable. But then... God, I was such an idiot. But then, just as I was giving myself a mental pat on the back for being so incredible at getting along with strangers, Nipple Guy took things up a notch. Without taking his eyes off the TV, my date took his left hand and started massaging his balls. And just like when he had taken his pants off earlier, he sat there, eyes ahead, like it was the most normal thing in the world to be watching TV (laughs) with a stranger while fiddling with one sack. And that was when it finally dawned on me. Oh, my brain realised, I'm here for sex. This is a sex thing. I figured at that moment I had two choices. I could say thanks but no thanks and graciously make my exit, or I could commit to what this whole Tinder experience had to offer and go with it. I went with option number two, and as soon as I realised that getting half-naked was not just an odd lifestyle quirk of his, things moved pretty quickly. Before I knew it, half-naked became completely naked for both of us. It soon became apparent, though, that Nipple Guy didn't want to get laid so much as he wanted a head job. He kept contorting his body in a way that meant his dick was constantly in my face. He was like a phallic acrobat. Now, at that point in my life, I had grown enough sexually that I knew when I really didn't want to do something, but I still wasn't great at saying when I didn't want to do something. I was of the opinion that if it could be hinted at with a little delicacy, that was far less awkward for everyone involved. So every time he would try to coax my head in that direction, I would half-heartedly stay there for five seconds before making my way back up, hoping he would get the picture. But then I would blink and there'd be a dick in my face again. He was so quick. And we continued playing that weird grown-up version of cat and mouse for about ten minutes until it reached a bizarre kind of sexual stalemate. He pushed my head down, I moved my head back up. He pushed my head down, I moved my head back up. We kissed for a bit, and he tried to push my head down again. I moved my head back up. Then he actually got up on his knees and put his dick in my face. So then I got up on my knees and started kissing his face again. And just when I was thinking I had won this drunken strategy game of sexual etiquette, he actually stood up on the bed and put his dick in my face. 
So this is Tinder, I thought, as I sat in an unfamiliar room and wondered how much higher this thing could go, playing Jenga with my face and a penis. Somehow, I eventually managed to kibosh the headjob idea without ruining the mood, that is, by forcefully pulling him down from his ridiculous standing-on-mattress position, and after that, I was ready for it to all be over. I wasn't really enjoying myself, but he was taking forever. I even faked an orgasm, hoping that maybe he was just waiting for me to finish before he did, but he wasn't taking forever because he had sexual manners. He was taking forever because he still wanted a damn head job. So, getting serious motion sickness from all the thrashing and vodka, and really just wanting to get home to watch Seinfeld reruns, I sat up against the head of the bed, opened my mouth, and let him fuck it. <laughs> I was such a pushover. He came in about 11 seconds. Ah, oh, I thought, so all I had to be was a blow-up doll. I went to the bathroom to get myself together and also to try and come up with a good excuse for why I would need to leave immediately. I didn't quite know the etiquette involved. Was he expecting me to stay? How could I leave this place and never come back without seeming rude? I was still trying to figure out what to say when I came out of the bathroom only to see him fully dressed, looking like he was about to leave. Um, I'm really sorry, he said, but I sort of have to go. He had to go from his own house. It's my friend. He's going through a really bad breakup and he really wants me to come over. I couldn't believe I was the one getting rejected when I had just been about to do the rejecting. Dude, I was about to leave anyway, I said, picking up my stuff with an air of dignity not quite befitting someone wearing her underwear backwards. We gave each other an awkward kiss on the cheek and I left. After which there's no doubt in my mind he got straight back into bed. I was so pissed that he had been the one to ask me to leave first that I was determined to be the one to delete him off Tinder first, and as I was sitting in the cab, I realised that it had been almost 24 hours exactly since I had signed up to what I now understood was essentially an online sex service. Perfect timing. I deleted my account, then I asked the taxi driver to pull over so I could spew. Starting with the pretty pink penis bow and ending with being fucked in my mouth like a blow-up doll, I'd had ten years of sex completely focused on what the guy wanted. And after I wiped the excess vomit from the side of my cheek and rolled back into the cab, I let the night wind touch my face as I decided, no more. From that moment on, I was going to make sex about me. I was going to orgasm and not just by myself in the bathroom. I was going to say no to what I wanted and yes to what I wanted. I wasn't going to follow ridiculous sex tips just because I was scared of losing a man. I decided in the cab that night that I was going to stop trying to do sexy and start trying to have sex that I'd actually enjoy. Sex is messy and funny and weird. You're literally rubbing the parts of your bodies together where your poo and wee comes out. Relax. Remember that it's important that you enjoy it too. Don't do anything you're not comfortable with. And don't ever, ever try to tie a pink bow on some guy's dick. <laughs> That's it, Mum. That's the sex chapter. Done. We've done it. Good. What are your thoughts? It was hilarious. <laughs> really? Yeah, thanks. Yes. I, I was just, I saw it more in a humorous light. Well, yeah, it's meant to be. I'm, I, I, I'm trying to, like, separate you <laughs> from the what you actually Actually having a penis in my vagina. I just, no! <laughs> and actually, or in your mouth, and actually, um, oh, mm, never again. Try and separate it. But it was funny. God, you really liked me ragging on head jobs. They really are the worst. I, I, how many words was that that you wrote just on giving just a head on job? Head it was hilarious. How many words do you reckon it was? I think it's about 2,000. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually oh, 
for Mamma Mia. We I think that's a, amazing because so many women would agree with it. Most women, no, I'd but, say. Okay, so we were in a morning Wouldn't editorial they? meeting. Yeah. And I mentioned that just giving head is just the fucking worst and I hate it. And, of course, Mia's eyes lit up and she was like, that's going to get a lot of clicks, you should write that. And so then I wrote it in, yeah. you know, a couple of hours and it went up on the <clears> website <throat> that day. I got so much shit from women. From women. Women were so angry at me. And, like, so many women were saying, like, it was, like, really important to them. They were like, she doesn't speak for all of us. We love it. Like, giving heads the best. I'm like, look, you can like doing something nice for your boyfriend or your partner or whatever. Of course that's enjoyable to do something nice. But you don't have a clitoris in the back of your throat, so <laughs> it is not physically pleasurable for you to <laughs> gag on did. a gag on a dick. Imagine well, then a lot did. more girls would want to give head, wouldn't they? <laughs> but it is not pleasurable. I'm so sick of women saying that they get physical pleasure out of it. I'm like, no, you don't. You liar. It's it's not. It's you're practically choking on like a flesh tampon. It's disgusting. Mm. Mm. So, anyway, I got a lot of shit. And it was actually a lot of women were sharing the article. But I bet you had a lot of women who agreed Oh, with yeah, it. a lot of women agreed. But it also made a lot of, I mean, there were guys who were like, oh, I wouldn't want to fuck her. She's fat anyway. I was like, yeah, whatever. Fuck off, <gasps> men. You're not part of this conversation. Jesus. But women were like... It, it seemed to be really important to them to like that men know that they didn't agree with me, that they actually really love doing it. Like so many women were sharing the article and like tagging their boyfriends in it. Like, lol, not me, babe. Like, I'm not like this girl. Oh, like, I'm no. like, yes, you fucking are. You liar. They all, they lie. But there was no. a big argument in the Mamma Mia office too. Half the girls didn't, they were like, no way, I love doing it. I'm like, <sighs> I just don't, I don't understand. I don't believe that. Well, you know. I mean, you did it as a job and you hated doing it. It's their opinion, I suppose. Like, they might. Get actual sexual pleasure out of having a dick in their mouth. I don't know. I don't think, I don't believe that. If they say they do, why, why would they say they do? To please the man. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't expect a guy going down on me to like it. I mean, it's nice if he does it, but, like, I'm not going to say, oh, like, is this really sexually pleasurable for you? Like, fucking wading through my pubes and licking my, like, Women aren't supposed to have pubes, Rosie. I have pubes. You know that. Fuck, getting rid of pubes, you know how painful it is? I got... I've never tried it. I got a Brazilian wax. I wouldn't do it. I got a Brazilian wax once. When I was, uh, for my year 12 formal, I did it as a surprise for oh, I thought Josh. That, I thought you liked doing that. What? Having, you know, no pubes. What? Are you joking? No, you were telling me that you had to go and see some lady. Yes, but listen, let me finish my story. All right. So fine. I did it once for yeah. my year 12 formal, and it was the fucking most painful, traumatic experience of my entire life. Mm. I don't understand why women do it. Like... It hurts so badly. I was like, I'm never doing that again, ever, ever, ever in my whole life. And I just figure, like, my pubes don't bother me, so why would I put myself through that immense pain well, you know, I just, every six weeks? Yeah, I think it's forever. just... It was just the fashion. It's the fashion at the time. It still is, I think. And then 
um, last year I thought, okay, I'm going to go and get laser because I've heard that it doesn't really hurt that much. Mm. And that, like, um, I sort of thought I haven't tried getting rid of my pubes since I was 18. Maybe I'll like it this time. Like, I thought I should just Mm. try it. And so I went and got laser, which it actually doesn't really hurt. But, um... I don't know. I just looked weird. It is weird because you look like a... You look like a baby. You look like a... Yeah. It's, it's And then because I'm so weird. chubby, like, I didn't realise that the only thing that stopped it from looking like I have two stomachs is that my badge has pubes on it. And so when there was no pubes <laughs> on it, I, it just looked like I had this, like, yeah. my stomach and then, like, a vag stomach. It was so weird. I didn't like oh, it. Rosie. I did not like it. And then, like, I, I didn't realise as well, like... Like, my bum cheeks were so slippery because, like... What? Well, because your pubes around your bum... Your pubes around your bum... You have your bum done, too. It's like, yeah, they do the whole thing, man. You fucking squat on all fours on the table and they get rid of it. Crack, sack, that's what they do for men. I don't have a sack, but... No, but that's what they do. They do the... Yeah, yeah. Oh. no, you have to get on all fours oh, and then you reach back and spread your bum cheeks apart yeah. while she goes at it with the laser, that right? That is outrageous. It is. And it's like I didn't realise that, like, pubes are like a like a buffer for your bum cheeks. And so, like, when I didn't have any hair there, my bum cheeks got, like, all the sweat from my crack was, like, Ew. I felt like my bum cheeks oh, yeah, were just yeah, slipping yeah. all over the place. Oh, I hated no. it. I did not like it. I looked weird. I didn't like looking in the mirror. I looked like a baby. So yeah, well, you know. And anyway, you know, I let all the hair go back. You know, and just men probably it. like it because you know it reminds me of like a schoolgirl or something. Ew, that's gross. Some sexual thing, you know. I mean, a lot of women say that it makes them feel cleaner or whatever. I'm like, oh, yeah, like pfft. I don't, whatever. But like, I just it's just the fashion. It's me. like it's like the eyebrows at the moment. Everyone has these painted on eyebrows. Mm. Just another passing fashion, but it's been the fashion for a while. Only with only with a certain age group, certainly not with mine. I but don't. But it's seriously at the point now where dudes don't even know what pubes look like on a vagina. Like I slept with a guy last year who was young. Was they young. Don't even know what they. I slept with he was twenty one and after I slept with him I got glandular fever, so that was my yeah. that was my punishment for sleeping with a young guy. And um he when we were in bed went, Whoa and I went, What? And he goes, You've got pubes and he'd never seen a vagina with pubic hair before. And I was like, Yeah And he was like, Oh, what, what about sex he education? Was like, he was like, and why everything? did he wax it? And I was like, because it fucking hurts. <laughs> like he couldn't, he could not fathom that I had pubic hair. He just, he was so oh spun out by God. it. How crazy oh is that? It's craziness. God. Yeah, craziness. That's, oh, Jesus! Like I seriously, I don't keep it for any feminist reason. It just fucking hurts getting rid of it. It hurts, and no, shaving I, it makes it itchy. You know what I do. Every now and then, not what? very often, just give it a little bit of a trim. <laughs> That's all you need. Because I have, tri- I've, I've tried the waxing, not the whole thing. I've never done the whole thing, mm. but I get all those ingrown hairs and the rash and everything. God, so it's I, awful. Just trim it a little bit. Go you know, trim it really you know, short. That's, that's probably that's, why that's good. I was. It never even occurred to me to get rid of my pubes. It's because I grew up so. Like I grew up seeing your pubes. Like, because mm. we were, Nothing wrong with you know, pubes. I'd always see you in the shower or whatever. Perfectly and normal. It, it just never even crossed my mind until I started reading, like, Cosmo and stuff, that that was something that I was meant to do. Like, I just, 
I just never, mm. I don't know. And I've just, I've never had a guy it's like women. get to the finish line and say no thank you when he's seen I have pubes. It's like women who grow their underarm hair. People yeah. think, ooh, that's revolting, you know. I shave my underarm hair. I don't. I guess, I don't know why though. I mean, I suppose... Because I don't know, because you, you sort of see it as a masculine thing. Yeah, you do, don't the you? The hairy armpits, you know, the blue work singlet, all that kind of stuff, you know what I mean? Mm. So, no, I wouldn't grow mine. When I was a hippie, I think I let it grow a bit, but, you did know... You? Were yeah. you a hippie? Yeah, when I was 16, I lived on a commune. You did not. I lived on a commune at Barring Bar, up near Mwollombar. When you were 16? Lived in a tent. Shouldn't you have been in high school? I was there. I left school. You left school to go to a commune? Um, basically. What year was this, if you were 16? 1981. 80, 81. 80, 81. Yep, 80. What? I lived there about three months. What do you do on a commune? Didn't even have running water. What do you do? What do you do all day? Well, we had this really crappy garden where the vegetables didn't freaking grow. So you tried to and grow then, food. And you, there was a lot of older people, as you can imagine, 16 was pretty damn young. Mm. Or I'd go over, I'd walk over, because it was like a property. Mm. It was up in the hills and there were avocado trees and you'd go and pick the avocados and there was like a, a stream, a little stream. It was gorgeous. Why did you leave? Because there's the wet season was coming, Rosie. Oh, so you I can only you wanted it, to be in a commune, but not if it, it was raining. Any, no, everyone <laughs> got out of there. There was like it poured. Wet season, terrible. So where do commune people go when when I don't they no back to King's Cross? <laughs> there was an old guy there who'd been stabbed. He, he still, was the funniest life. He mom. still had all the scars from being stabbed in King's Cross. He was in his probably in his sixties. Really he lived there, and he was from King's Cross. And there were school teachers and everything living up there. It was so, very interesting. Why'd you go there? Just cause Maria, my friend Maria from school. Yeah, she she went up there. Were your parents thrilled that you left school to go to a commune? Oh, it had nothing to do with them. I'd left home. Had you left home by then? Yes, I left home because 16. they wouldn't let me. They wouldn't let me be with my. No, they. I got expelled from school. Now they were making me go to a <gasps> Canberra girls' grammar. Why? And I said no. I am not going. Why did you get expelled from school? Mm, I was. Tell me. I always did the wrong thing. What did you do? Like I got. I was smoking all the time. Then I'd be gated for a month. Right, which means I had to be there boarding school. I had to yeah. be there the whole weekend yeah, wearing yeah, yeah. my school bloody uniform. And I just got sick of it. And then one week, one Friday, because I used to go home on the Fridays, mm. well, I wasn't allowed to. I had to be stay there. Mm. I just thought, stuff this. I'm going home. So I got my bag, rang up the cab, got the cab to the ta- to um, Bathurst Station, got on the train, went home. And you got expelled for that? No, well, I just kept on doing things like that. Right. So but you, I was the top. So you were just a rebel. I was the top in the school certificate English. I Wait. was really good. I, I was top. Maybe that's why I'm a good writer. Yeah. Got it from Terrible, you. Pretty bad at maths, but, um, yeah, they ended up um, getting sick of me, so I got chucked out. And then you went to a commune. And then I got it. Then I went from the commune, bare feet, mm. no bra, 
to doing my nursing. Oh, really? I'd actually come back from the com- commune to start my nursing. I got into the nursing. Mm. And I remember writing an essay about um, nudity and all this kind of thing. And they actually accepted me into the nursing course. What? what? They didn't have any places left, but they made a place for me. So I was really pleased. So your essay about nudity must have been good then. Yeah, it was. What about nudity? I didn't know. I was just good at writing and, and like, well, I was only, you had to be 17 actually to start the nursing and I'd just turned 17. Mm. So um, they let me in because my, my command of English was relatively good. Did you ever think back then with your command How of English get onto this? that one day you would have a daughter who grows up to write about having dicks in her face? No, but I'm very pleased I did. Are you <laughs> proud of me for writing about dicks in my face, Mum? Do you love it? I admire your honesty. <laughs> Thanks. Let me say that much. <laughs> you thought you I were going to hate good. this chapter, but you've it's enjoyed quite it. Fun. I lie. I mean, it's I, funny. I'm your mother. I'm supposed to feel a bit uncomfortable about things like that. But you were never weird about that. I always felt like I could talk oh, to you about yeah, stuff like good. that. I'm really glad. Well, you never Sex really stuff. You never did talk to me about. Well, it. no, but I'm not embarrassed. Like, oh, I don't know. That was a bit weird reading that, but like, well, well, as it should be, Rosanna, as it should be. There's um some more <laughs> awkward sex stuff in the new book too, which you're gonna love. Oh yeah, really? Yeah. sad, though, that girls think that sex isn't about them. That's sad. Like, Mm. looking back, everything I would read in Cosmo and stuff like that was all about... Pleasing the man. Yes. Isn't that terrible? Or self-pleasuring. They they usually go into that aspect of things as well. So terrible. So many girls don't know that, like... Like, there's that kind of prevailing assumption that women don't like sex that much and it's always the man hassling the woman and the husband's always hassling his wife for sex. And it's like, if she orgasmed every time she had sex, she would want to do it just as much as you. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so if she doesn't want to do it, then that's probably because... It's just exercise because if you're not having an orgasm, then it's just exercise, isn't it? No, I think that. I don't think that's fair to women who don't have orgasms because I mean they can still find it extremely pleasurable even though they don't have an orgasm. I don't understand. And you probably have a lot of women object to what you just said, so I'd be very careful. Really? Why? Why do you say that? What's the point if you're not having an orgasm? Because they're still enjoying the actual act of sexual intercourse. They don't have to have an orgasm. A lot of, like one third of women or something don't have orgasms Yeah, and that's really fucking, that's criminal. Well, it's not criminal, it's just just natural, it's life. It's not natural, it's because there's not been emphasis put on women's pleasure, so it's never been considered important enough for people to figure out how to do it. Well, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you've got to figure out things for yourself, for God's sake. You can't expect someone else to. Which I did. When I was quite young, well, I'm a sexual well, genius. I did, I I did the same thing, and and um, good luck to us. That's yeah, cool. but, but I just like think some women. They, you know, they're unfortunate enough not to have been able to um, climax. 
I just think if you said to a man, for the rest of your life, you're only going to orgasm <laughs> one out of every time, ten times you have sex. Oh, my God. He, a man would not it? even be able to fathom that concept. Can you imagine? No, they couldn't. So why are women expected I don't know. I suppose to put phys- up with that? physiologically there are differences, of course. That's yeah, there's why. differences, but it's just it's women can orgasm. People don't put in an effort to make but it happen. It's, no, it's not an absolute necessity. I don't agree with that. Well, that is right. I don't understand how you don't agree with that. I just don't. Because if you don't have an orgasm, you're basically, it's just a chore. You're just exercising. No, it's not. Yes, it is. People still enjoy it. I think people lying. It's just not that crescendo of joy and, you know. Yeah, what's the point well, without because, that? Because you don't, it's not necessary, I don't think. You're sounding like someone who doesn't have a lot of <laughs> orgasms, Mum. What? You're sounding like someone who doesn't have a lot of orgasms. I don't. I don't worry about sex anymore. That's kind of sad. Oh well, it doesn't bother me. See, it doesn't bother me, so it's not something I think about. Well, it was your job for a while, so I guess now you know. That was a long time ago, Rosie. Yeah, but still, does it just make you kind of go, eh? No. So why don't you worry about it? Because I don't know. I think it's just my hormone levels. It's just not there. The desire is just not there. It's absolutely, utterly gone. I can't believe you're being so open about this. I th- I didn't think you were going to say anything on this ooh, chapter. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Why is that gross? Well, people don't like their parents to all women. talking about sex. But anyway, I don't even have sex, so there you go. I'm sure your partner will be thrilled listening to this. Oh, well, he's, I think he's bloody aware of it. Well, you're not having sex, so I'm sure he's noticed. Yeah, I suppose he has, hasn't he? Because, I mean, men can father children in their 90s, can't they? Mm. Yeah, well. Like, but you said, what's the point of doing it if you don't get pleasure out of it? Well, exactly. there you go. When did you Why go? Why don't do it? Mum, have you been through the change? Yeah, I started going when? through the change 14 years ago. What? How old were you? 40, 40, 40, 42. Oh, my God, that's young, two? isn't it? Yeah, no, 43. Is that young to go through no, the change? Was, yeah, it is. But I had a hysterectomy. Why? And that because of um, fibroids what's, problems, what's heavy this? heavy periods. It causes oh. heavy periods. And um, so I had a hysterectomy for that reason. Oh, and no, the hysterectomy can actually reduce the flow of blood to the ovaries, yeah. right? Plus, I was a heavy smoker. That can also cause you to have an early menopause. So the combination, yeah. Oh. So that's what happened. Rick actually picked up on it. What? Oh, I was having these horrible sweats. Hot flushes like at night. Oh, it was waking right. me up. You were going through the it change. Was just, yeah, it was just awful. God, I'm 31. That means I'm not far off the change. Yes, well, God, I think I was 28 and your father gave me a book called The Change by... um, (laughs) 28? Jermaine Greer. He gave me this book. I think I've still got it. God, that's young. It's called The Change and it's all about... God, if I'm... Well, I should have read it, actually. It's in storage. If I'm ever going to have babies, I should probably get a bloody move on, I guess. No, you have women who, who... Babies in their forties, mind you, at this very it's low, hard though. very low percentage, and a lot of IVF. You know, 
God, I can't be bothered doing that. Yeah. I thought about freezing my eggs at one stage. What does that cost? It's, like, really expensive. I looked into it. It was, like, $15,000. It's a really good idea, though. Yeah, but, think? well, yeah, because I, I really am idea. not interested in having children for at least Shame another five years, at least. you can't afford a surrogate Which means the baby for you. by the time I even am thinking about it, I'll be, you know, in my mid-30s and mm. then... I don't know, when I time it out in my head, I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, I'm probably not going to be ready to have kids till I'm, like, 40. And by then all my eggs will, yeah. all my junk will be bad. If I were you. I should probably freeze some. Don't call it junk. Well, you know what I mean. All You're the stuff bit. down there. God, it sucks that women have to think about that shit. Well, like, you don't. You can decide not to have children. But there was this guy on my Facebook a couple months ago, and he was like... People... Geez, I'm 39 and I just realised I have to start freaking out about having kids at some point in the next few years. And I was like, fuck you. Women have to freak out about that so much earlier because you, your eggs literally disappear. Yeah, yeah. And they just go. Men's sperm is fine until they're elderly if, a they, lot of, if they can get it up. A lot of women don't realise that you have a finite number of eggs and then once they're gone, they're gone. Yeah, and the minute you're born, they start ageing. Yeah, I know. These eggs start ageing every day. God, being a woman. Bloody have dicks in our faces and eggs dying. It's nature's way of protecting the species. What is? Ageing eggs. They're no good. Oh, right. You don't want bad ones. No. That's why it's so hard (sighs) to get pregnant as you get older. Tell you what, being a woman sucks. No. Well. I don't think so. I think we're lucky. I think I'm lucky. I've got four daughters, for God's sake. Yeah, I can't believe you had four daughters. I am a lucky woman. Seriously. Can't imagine having a brother. That's bloody splendid. I wouldn't have liked to have had a boy. Really? No. I thought Isabella would probably be a boy, you know, and she ended up being a girl, and I just rejoiced. <gasps> Another, Another woman girl. to go through life oh. avoiding dicks in her face for the next it's 50 simple years. doing that. <laughs> it's simple to yeah. avoid dicks in your face. Yeah. Oh. N-O, Rosie. Exactly. Exactly. N-O. Consent yes. is important. That's right. Well, there you go. Well, are we going to wrap up today on flying dicks and eggs dying? <laughs> yeah, let's wrap it up. <laughs> in the next episode. And you're definitely lying in those two. What do you mean? Bloody, you don't know how to clean a toilet. I didn't know. Come I thought, on. I thought the toilet cleaned itself when you, you flushed it. You grew up in a house where there's a toilet cleaner next to the toilet forever. I didn't. Why what would the I hell? even take notice of what that is? All I knew is that sometimes you put that little oh, thing in it that made bullshit. the water blue. Mum Says My Memoir is a Lie is recorded in the studios of Podcast One. Recording assistance by Felix Bray. Audio production by Nick Slater executive producer is jamie show for more episodes head to podcastone.com.au or download the podcast one app